Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... We're all safe at home, but we can still travel through stories. Visit MatthewCWinner.com and click on Shop in order to support independent bookstores while supporting your favorite bookmakers and kidlit podcasters. Same books, same great prices, but this time your dollars make a difference for someone or some indie trying to make a difference. Go to MatthewCWinner.com and click on Shop to choose your next great read. Jackie, woes can I just know. tell you, can no. I just tell you the woes of daylight savings time? Can I just tell you? <laughs> I second that. My son is still up. Ooh, my son is nine years old. Tammy, how old's your son? He's, he's 10. He just turned 10. I had to threaten his life to take a shower <laughs> so that I can do this in peace and I told him to put himself to bed in 10 minutes and I know he's not going to do it he's going to take advantage of the fact that I'm in the basement on this call and my husband's already sleeping oh, <laughs> I have no help here oh, well, I no. get to pass today then huh? every family has a gathering this is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 583. I'm your host, Matthew Winner, and today I'm joined by Tammy Charles and Jacqueline Alcantara, author and illustrator of Freedom Soup. What food traditions do you have in your family, and how do these traditions speak to your family's history? This is a story about making soup, but it's also a story about making traditions while looking back on the past. The origin of Freedom Soup dates back to the Haitian Revolution, and it's that revolution that lives inside the characters in this story, as well as the many, many ancestors of those involved in the battles. We are made from everything before us. As Tammy shares, we are each so subconsciously affected by the things around us. Please welcome my guests, Tammy Charles and Jacqueline Alcantara author and illustrator of Freedom Soup. So my name is Tammy Charles. My pronouns are she, her, and I write books for kids and teenagers and really anyone, uh, 10 plus through 99 and beyond. Um, I like to write diverse stories, specifically the types of stories that I would have loved to get my hands on when I was a kid. Um, and I'd like, I'd like to write diverse stories that are accessible to anyone, really. So yeah, that's what I do. I write books. 
That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, Jack. I mean, well, all books. Well, I I should probably specify, right? Picture books, middle, (laughs) young adult. There we go. Those are my categories. I write everything except for those grown-ups. I can't stand writing for that. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to do the adult market. I'm not touching that. Not yet. Anyway. (laughs) Never say never, Tammy. Yeah, I know. That's why I said not yet. Anyway. Yeah. So my name is Jackie Alcantara. Um, I'm an illustrator. I live in Chicago. Um, uh, My pronouns are she, her. Um, And I also like to do, um, I guess I'm also drawn to stories like that have some sort of diverse component to them. Um, And uh, so far I have only illustrated picture books, um, but I am open to all possibilities in the future. (laughs) I'm nice. illustrating an adult novel currently. <laughs> no, that's it's wonderful to have you both. I'm so glad, Jackie, to be reunited with you. I love your work, and I think from the moment I picked up Freedom Soup, I could I could tell I could tell it was your voice. You have a oh. very distinct voice with just just two books in so far to your career. Um, your, your voice is clear and, and wonderful and energetic. I think that this is not anything that Tammy and other people wouldn't say, but, um, I, I just want to affirm that, that you do some pretty work. Thank you. Thank you. That's so sweet. Tammy Charles writing a picture book. Oh yes. (laughs) I love my picture books. Oh, I am so glad to hear that. You have a, 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 end of elementary age child at home does do you and and your kids still read picture books together oh yes and i want nice. him reading picture books for you know as long as possible i'm an adult and i still read picture books yeah i i'm definitely not the parent that says hey you're 10 year you're 10 years old now you only should be reading novels there's lots to learn in picture books and what i love so much about picture books is that especially on the nonfiction side, you can learn so much in such a small space and you can do it through both the text and the pictures. I think it really just brings history, brings the learning to life. So yeah, I I encourage my son to read picture books like crazy. And That's he does. Awesome. I'm yeah. so I'm really glad to hear that. When we specifically at at, at bedtime when I'm reading to my four year old um, we're all there in bed together, my wife and, and both of my kids. And while my son is definitely reading his comics, which is rad, I know he's listening to the picture books because he definitely leans over and looks. And I love that he is drawn to, I think all of us are drawn to that performance of the written word, especially when it's done oh, yeah. well. That storytelling, no, we don't grow out of, of having stories told to us. Absolutely. That's, that's, I think what drew me so much, Tammy, to, to this picture book too, to Freedom Soup, because I feel like you're telling us, you're telling us a story about family. You're inviting us into an experience and allowing us to lean in and, and to, to witness and to just enjoy the way the language plays and rolls off the tongue. Language that might not be, because you're talking about about food and a culturally specific food that, that these might not be words that, that are familiar to the reader or they might be 
exactly the words familiar to the reader. Yeah. And the way that it's so playful in that language, I think really invites us all to dance in the book with you. And I, I, I like that. It's good. Thank stuff. you. But then That's- here I am talking about your, your picture book abstractly. Could you maybe share a more grounded um, book talk of the story? Absolutely. So Freedom Soup is a, it, I guess it's a nonfiction picture book. Yeah, it's nonfiction, right, Jackie? It has a nonfiction uh, slant. Not, yeah. <laughs> it has nonfiction it's, elements, um, sure. but it's it's crafted around the story of a granddaughter and grandmother on New Year's Day, and she finally gets to learn how to make this traditional soup that she eats every year with her family. It's really called soup jumu, um, but broadly it's known as freedom soup. Um, and her grandmother tells her the history behind the soup. She tells her every year, but now that Belle is older, of course, um, the story really resonates with her. And briefly, the history behind the soup is long ago on the island of Haiti. Well, it was called Hispaniola at the time. Um, when Christopher Columbus came over and claimed uh, the island for Spain, he also ushered in slavery onto that island. And naturally, no one wants to live like life like that. Um, the natives at the time, they were very frustrated um, working and serving. And, you know, as slaves, it wasn't the best life for them. So they decided to have a revolution. This was around 1791. And um, every New Year's Day, as as slaves, they would make this soup and they would serve it to their enslavers. But they were not allowed to have that very special soup to ring in the new year. Well, after 12 years of the revolution, when they finally broke free and gained their independence from France, the very first thing that they did to do to celebrate their newfound freedom was to have the soup that was denied them. So it's celebratory, yes. But it's also, you know, an an ode to the resilience of the Haitian people who did something that was so historic and so monumental at the time by liberating themselves from slavery. And this is knowing the author's note, this is this is a connection that your husband has as well. Right. That he has um, that his Tigran um is the one I know that your notes is, is the first the first one to ever serve you freedom soup. Yes. So my husband and I, I've known him since I was about 10. Stop but we, it. You know, I, yeah, I know. <laughs> You've known him since your son's age. Yes, yeah, since I was about 10 and I'm turning 40 next month. So um, we're going on 30 years of just kind of being local neighbors in our town. But when I was 16, um, that's when I finally said, oh, he's kind of cute. <laughs> when I was 10, I was like, oh, he has a big head. Um, <laughs> but, but when we, you know, when when I kind of started liking him and we started dating in my teenage years, 17, 18, I would call the house to speak to him. And his grandmother, T-Gun, is exactly what we called her. Um, she didn't speak a lick of English. So if I called and if I didn't at least try to greet her properly in her language, she would hang up the phone on me. That was one of my first introductions to the culture. It <laughs> was kind like, of amazing, right? You know, it, it was endearing, <laughs> but at the time it wasn't really so. Um, 
So, but one of the things she told me is like, if you want to date my grandson, like this is, this is how we do it. This is how you properly greet me. These are the foods that we eat. This is our culture. And, you know, I didn't find it too different from the way I grew up. So I fell all the way in love with the culture um, because I loved her and I love obviously loved my husband and his family and they they welcomed me with open arms. And the the feeling behind Freedom Soup, I think anybody can relate to that. Every family, no matter what culture you are, every family has a gathering of some sort, right? Whether it's like religious or it's around some type of a holiday. So I tried to write it in a way that evokes that emotion that is pretty universal to all of us. I like not only do you have this this tradition, but also the grandmother leading the way, but involving Belle, saying, yeah. you're going to sit here, here's the tools you're going to use, we're going to do yeah, this, we're going to do that. that's kind of how it was. <laughs> it's very active, it's an active participation. Yes, that's pretty much how it was. Like, I kind of pictured myself as a little kid learning this soup from Tigun. But the reality was I was a teenager when this all mm. happened. But I felt like a kid because I was just like, wow, this is new and I'm learning something awesome. And I can I pass this down now to my son, which is amazing. That is... I feel like the, the story in and of itself is so inviting just in the way you kind of described your experience of becoming involved with his family and his culture. And the story totally evokes that. And I feel like that was one of the reasons I loved it so much when I read it. And those different elements and different layers that you have in it, like the music and the smells and the the stories and all the visuals, like those are all things that are nostalgic and help us like really feel, you know, this world and this family. And um, I think that was such a beautiful, you know, you did such beautiful things with the words that were so inviting, just like, just how you said you felt that, you know, yeah, um, your experience. And Jackie was telling me that she has something like that in her own family. So she had a personal connection, right, Jackie? Don't you have a special dish? Well, we make a soup that I kind of, you know, like when I first read it, I feel like I connected with it on different levels, but we, we have like a soup that we make every winter, but it obviously doesn't have this kind of history attached to it. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, certain dishes that we make on, you know, Christmas and um, just like in winter months or whatever that uh, my mom, you know, my dad's from Honduras. And so my mom had the recipes from my my grandmother and they were just like pages long, you know, like written with the tiniest handwriting. And she would go that meticulously each year (laughs) and making this exact soup, you know, that um, that my dad's mom made uh, for for them, you know, every year. So I, I thought of that immediately, but then I feel like I connected with it. You know, as you said, you, you can um, connect with the story. It, it's such a universal story too, you know, in, yeah. in the specific, there's always like universal ways to connect with it. So I love though that you're talking about recipes being, being sacred, that you have to follow oh, the yeah. very, very specific yeah. way in this small print to do it. Much like in this story too, you also get this, this, we have this in traditions that, in especially food traditions, that it's not just we follow these recipes, but we also play this music. We also do this with joy, with love. There's emotion being poured into food. That's the way at least I grew up too, learning about food from my grandmother or, or um, really both of my grandmothers, um, 
there were different food traditions that that I remember there there being a method to them, but also sort of a a mindset to how we make the the dishes as well. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I um I love Tammy. I'm gonna <laughs> I love your book. I don't want to have story time and read you the entire book <laughs> as much as I would love to have like you just have an audiobook for us all to enjoy you reading to us. But do you mind if I read an excerpt of your book to give folks a sense of, of this language that we're talking about? Oh, go for it. The children's book podcast is sponsored by Libro FM audiobooks. Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 125,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro FM, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there, but you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. Listeners of the Children's Book Podcast can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of just one month. Go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter WINNER. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. I want to read from, I'm going to just read two spreads, but it's going to take us into why they call it Freedom Soup. So, um... We start here. Uh, know why they call it Freedom Soup? Tigran asks. Because it's free? It's the same answer I always give. Tigran laughs her loud, belly-deep laugh. Oh, Belle, nothing in this world is free. Not even freedom. She begins to tell a story, the same one she tells every year. A story of the place she was born, Haiti. Long ago, my country was a land of sugarcane, and coffee fields, and my people were slaves, working under the fiery sun, growing vegetables, making soup for their masters, soup they were never allowed to eat themselves. Freedom soup was only for the free. No soup for New Year's? My face feels hot. And then what happened? I ask. And what I'm so drawn to in this story is that we have the bell says it's the same story, the same answer I always give. It's the same story she tells every year. You know these answers, but yeah. you want to hear it told because that also is is part of how we live history. Exactly. I think mm-hmm. that that I have to I have to believe from from me as a 39-year-old, Tammy, you and I, have we're at we're the, the same, same place. <laughs> we are at the same place. Um, but I have to, as I'm reading picture books now and hearing these stories of, there's not many that I've read, but the ones like yours that I read that say, it's the same story I've heard every year. And I give the same answer. And, it, and yet you know that like, it's not going to change next year or the year after. I have to wonder if this is all sort of some cosmic dance that we're doing to help internalize these memories so that when those ahead of us have passed, yeah, we know that we've learned the, the, the dance, the rhythm, the song, however you want to phrase it, so that we can 
carry it, it forward the way, the yeah. way that it's meant to be, right? Because we don't want to get that history wrong. Yeah, that's why she needs to hear it every year. And for every year that Belle grows, uh, you know, older, I don't think I mentioned her age, right, Jackie? I don't think so. I, think so. I feel like I feel like Belle in this story might be about seven. Um, so when when you hear the story and you're three, it doesn't really resonate. Maybe by the time you're four, okay, uh, maybe a little. Five and six, okay. But but for each year that Belle gets older, I think the story will have a further impact. And I think that this is the first year that it really dawns on her that, wow, I did this myself and I'm going to teach my children. Because at the end, she says that, that she'll teach her children one day. And uh, I think that's something that by the time you're about seven or eight, that can kind of click for a child like, oh, I can I can do this myself. Kids love being independent. They love being able to say that they've made something or they've done something. And I think that's right at the age where, you know, this character feels that sense of pride. Yeah. And that they're important in this whole, you know, uh, thing of passing down your traditions, right? Yes. Where you kind of realize like, oh, I'm I need to know that like, I need to learn these things. Like yeah. I'm going to be the person one day to, to carry all of this, you know, it's that, that responsibility, the weight of responsibility yeah. that you've inherited this responsibility. Part of what makes you, you is that you're part of this family. So therefore you need to remember. Mm -hmm. Jackie, exactly. I have a, a sort of, this might be, this might be a connection between you and Tammy that I don't know about. So I'm just going to ask it this way, and then you can reveal it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm being very <laughs> secretive. I just just feel sheepish <laughs> asking what I'm about to ask. Ooh, but yes. I feel like I feel like you stepped into Tigran's house and then painted it for us. So I would love to know what <laughs> That's kind of... exactly what she did. <laughs> I mean, right? So I would love to know like what research looked like for you cuz I'm saying like for folks that haven't picked up this book, you can study the walls on the house and yeah. see that there is a history there. There is a, a, this is a place that has been lived in. This is a, there are mementos that, that Tigran has kept around in her house. Mm -hmm. And yet there are distinctly things in this house that I know that I, as a reader do not know and do not understand. So there's a, um, there's a like a there's there's personal items that are kept personal to these characters that I am just I'm just a passerby in this story and that to me is so it's so powerful Jackie because I think sometimes we we have a I as a reader when I'm reading these illustrations sometimes think oh well I know you put that there because you want me to notice this or you want me to notice that but but your work here much like your work in the field um, in the picture book, the field. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I I feel like um, there there's a sort of knowing that that you've kept to yourself and the and the characters and the author, um, but have withheld so that there's sort of a sense of of mystery, or mm. I don't I don't know what else for the reader, but it cool. it's very effective. So I'd love to know what your way into the art for this was. Well, I, I, I stepped into 
A.T. Grand's house and um, did some research for how the soup is made that way through a friend um, in New York in Flatbush, which is like a big Haitian community um, on uh, in like a 110 degree day in New York. Uh, we made the soup together <laughs> and um, and kind of, you know, like through the process of, you know, I felt like this was a. Well, right when I when I got in there, I saw her her mom Tigran um, change from the outfit she walked in with to this totally different dress that kind of was like a muumuu, just like her cooking outfit. So I I took note of that. I thought it was so cute and so cool and and such a like ceremonious way to start preparing this meal. So I kind of at that point got the idea for. Tigran at the very beginning, putting the apron on Belle as this coming of age moment, you know, like this is the time you get to do this. Um, So kind of throughout that whole day, I kept picking up different things, um, not just from the process of making the soup, but throughout her house and things that they said. Um, And then, you know, slowly through kind of figuring out how I wanted the whole visual narrative, what I wanted to say with it, what I wanted my whole, you know, DNA to be for the book. Um, those things kind of kept coming back to me, those moments and those things that they said throughout throughout that day. Um, so, you know, I guess like another example of that is the the, the friend of mine whose who's mom it was, she said, you know, there's always, we're just surrounded by, by paintings and pictures of women working. We're always working, we're always carrying stuff and, you know, kind of talking about traditional Haitian artwork. And so I looked around her house and I was like, oh my God, that's so true. So I wanted, it kind of, it kind of planted a seed in my head that, we're so, um, you know, subconsciously affected by the things that were that surround us when we grow up. And and as I kind of started to figure out how to do the images that go into the past, I thought about like how Belle would visualize what Haiti looked like, like this place that she had never been. And I thought a lot about how I grew up picturing Honduras and and just like the the things in our house that built that image of that place for me, the you know statues and dishcloths and fabrics and all of those things. So I kind of wanted to start building the story from from there. And then kind of like you said, there's a lot of things that just helped me create those moments where we go into the past from those objects in the house that kind of would be how Belle visualized Haiti. But it's not a big part of, like, I don't think people will pick up on it as a reader, but it gave me a, a purpose for putting all of those things in there. And it gave me a purpose for the compositions that I used in like the images in the past. Um, so it kind of gave it like an intention, you know? Yeah. Um, well, I think yeah. the the very first spread that you show us um, where Belle is walking in with the pumpkin on her head and she's yeah, exactly. be- beneath that painting of right. the four women with the baskets on their heads. I think that that, yeah. that draws the attention to it, but to hear, exactly. to yeah. hear also that, that, that reference to, uh, in some Haitian houses, or maybe I don't, I don't want to stereotype in all of them, every Haitian, ha- no, <laughs> but yeah. that often in Haitian art, women are depicted working and to have, to have our characters be working on this soup together and to have that, that drawn into that connection to the environment. It was just really, really intentional and beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted it to evoke like a sense of pride, you know, like in, in her bringing this pumpkin in, but you know, being, uh, and just kind of like we just mentioned carrying this history and this culture through, but, but sometimes it just seeps in, you know, to us, uh, and we don't quite realize it. 
which is nice too. I like too. If I can just spend one more moment in your art, I love not only how much you cared about, um, how do you say it? Like how much you cared about dressing your characters. Like I can tell that there's thought put into textiles and, and mm. lengths of clothing and just variation on that. Um, mm-hmm. as well as fitting different body types, they all seem to be wearing, you know, really nice clothes that flatter all of their different bodies. <laughs> well, yeah, for sure. But, I mean, oh. that's a thing that like, as a person that, that is, I can draw, I'm like a functional <laughs> drawer, but I can't do clothing. All the shirts come out the same and all the whatever's <laughs> come out the same. I, so when I noticed that you just have to, as well as when I'm with children and we're work, when we're working on, let's look at this art critically and seeing how everyone is wearing different hairstyles, how everyone is sort of taking up space in a room a different way and in relation differently to one another. All of these things I know are part of composition and are part of what you thought about, much like the way that Tammy thought about weaving in and out the different steps of making this soup with the moments when things have to simmer or things have to cook or things have to be sliced. And so that's a time to talk and to talk about history. I can see all of that intention from both of you and you weave that really, really well. You, you both, I mean, I hate to go back to this metaphor. I don't hate going back to this metaphor, but you both dance really well together in this book. You were good partners for one another. Mm-hmm. I agree. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tammy, Tammy, when did you know, like, the the picture book that I want to write is going to be about Freedom Soup? I know that there's, like, I haven't read a picture book about Freedom Soup. Mm-hmm. I know that it's really wonderful to be reading a book about a Haitian family. The last book I remember reading and loving about a Haitian family was called Auntie Luce's Talking Paintings. Did you ever read that picture book? No, I haven't. It is gorgeous. I have to check um, that out. And it's another like really wonderful connection to, in this case, it's a child going to Haiti to visit her aunt who makes paintings. And, and one of the paintings, or many of the paintings, end up being of um, famous revolutionary leaders um, right. from Haiti's history. And it's a neat way to weave history but I find that this is often what we do is we we talk about history with our family or I think what I've I've been drawn to talk about those those the passage of stories but but where did this story and and Belle's story come on your heart um as a story to to tell other readers oh wow um so when I first tried to become a published author I was writing the most ridiculous stories that had nothing to do with my family, my life, my lived experience. I, I literally was writing stories that I thought I had to write for the purpose of trying to get published. Needless to say, none of those stories got picked up by an agent or a publisher (laughs) and rightfully so, um, because I wasn't writing authentically. Um, I remember having lunch or dinner rather with an editor and she started asking me all these questions about my life. And when I told her about, you know, sort of my love story of meeting my husband and like, you know, where he's from and, and how, 
we're just, you know, we have this child that we're going to raise. And she goes, why aren't you writing about that? Why aren't you writing about this special tradition that you do with your family every year? Why aren't you writing these authentic family stories? And I said, oh, yeah, I should probably write that. (laughs) So I did. Um, And it, it really clicked for me because I said, you know, if I write nothing else, this could be a gift to my child, mm. something that he can pass down to his children, um, because as much as I love my husband, he's not going to write it. Writing, you know, <laughs> writing isn't his thing. So, I, you know, it was on me to write it. And I knew that there wasn't a specific picture book about this topic. And I've read lots of, you know, different stories, wonderful stories about the Haitian Revolution. Um, But there wasn't anything in particular about this oral history that I had heard, um, you know, for 20 some odd years, basically growing up uh, with my husband's family. So I I took, you know, with their blessing, of course, I wrote this story um, and I it was it wasn't easy, um, but I loved every second of it. It, You know, I mean, I don't. It feels like you loved it. I did. I did. It, I. It does. I did it, do a lot of taste testing. You know, that's research. <laughs> <laughs> I did too, Tammy. I did a lot of eating. A lot of research. Yes. We better make this soup again. I can't remember what order we cook things in or what it smells like. Let's let's one more time. One let's, more let's round. Let's do this again. Yeah. I actually, the funny thing is, I had freedom soup tonight for dinner. No kidding. Aww. I did. And I'm, it's just dawning on me that I'm having this podcast with you guys <laughs> about Freedom Soup. And I literally had some for dinner tonight. That's, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> do you think about it? Do you think when you make this soup, do you think about it? Oh, I think about I think about everything do you? that uh, that happened in the past. And I think of the resilience and the guts that it took to fight back. Um, I think yeah. about, you know, the the lessons and the gold that's within that. And, mm. and we can take away what children can take away from that. My son, I remind him often, like, you don't have a reason to fail. Like the people that came before you, your ancestors laid that groundwork for you so that you can rise and it's a constant reminder. And I think he knows it. Hmm. I think he kind of wears that on his chest as a as a badge of honor. Like, you know, this is where my people come from. And why not? Yeah, I should I should go for that A. I should try out for that team because my ancestors would have it no other way. So yeah, I do think about all of that. That's that's powerful. And I hope that Thank that's you. not something you ever you ever lose and I'm saying that coming from that place of there's there's one or two dishes that when I make them I think about my grandfather in particular and it's it's that melancholy is that the feeling that it's just you can it evokes a memory and you just think I hope I never forget this memory yeah I hope it always means this same thing to me that it never gets diluted yeah I'm grateful to you, Tammy, for sharing this story with us. It's 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 really beautiful, and it um, as these 
stories that are outside of my experience tend to do specifically, um, it immediately made me think of my students, not just the ones I teach now, but the ones I have taught and the families of theirs that I have met and how, how wonderful it is to know that there's these universals that connect us, these yeah. traditions that, that, that make us distinct, but also connect us. And I'm grateful that, that this is the story. This is the picture book, um, that, that you debuted, that you picture book debuted. Yeah. You know, like Vanessa, this, was you did my, not, this is not your debut. debut deal. This was my very first book deal. No, this was before like Vanessa. I promise you, I got this book deal before like Vanessa. I got the call. I want to say I got the call in March or April of 2015. Um, and I remember because when my agent called me to say that we had an offer, I was out on my deck, uh, probably cleaning something, and I fell to the ground. My husband was mowing the lawn. He saw me fall. He stopped mowing. He thought, like, something happened, like I, I was having some type of a stroke or I had gotten, you know, sick. But it was really just me on my knees crying on my deck. Oh, that wow. I had finally gotten a publisher to say yes because I had – heard no for many, many years. And if that editor didn't tell me, hey, you need to write that, like that's what that's what your writing is missing. I probably it probably would have never happened for me. Like it wouldn't have clicked for me that I yes, I should be writing these amazing stories that already exist within my family. Wow. So grateful for that. And Tammy, you made a book with Candlewick. Oh, that was beautiful books, beautiful books. But here's the thing. That was my first book deal. Yes. Like Vanessa was my first published book. But part of the reason that it took so long for well, picture books generally take several years to publish. But, um, you know, we we needed to find the right illustrator. And that in and of itself was that was an ordeal. You know, we. They looked and I was really honored that they would send me samples. Mm. You know, what do you think about this one? What do you think about this one? But I remember driving up to Boston. I had something in Boston and I told my editor Carter, hey, I'm going to be in Boston on this date. Can I just stop by and say hi? Sure. No problem. Well, he showed me in his office on his computer. He goes, hey, what do you think about this illustrator? And that's when he pulled up Jacqueline's website. And I was like, oh, boy, yes. <laughs> Let's do it. That's so cool. I didn't yeah. know that. So, That's yeah. really cool. He kind of stalked you a little bit. Like, he, we went to your website, and then I think he went somewhere else. I don't know if it was, like, Instagram or wherever else, like, your art is shown. Um, yeah. But he showed me, like, a couple different places where he found you online. And he said, I'm thinking about this artist. And I said, I, I love it. Let's do it. Oh, oh my gosh. That's so sweet. Yeah. I never told you that. Did I? No. <laughs> no. Okay. So, so there we go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thanks, Tammy. No problem. For trusting me with the story. <laughs> yeah. I knew you could do it. As soon as I saw your art, I said, oh my gosh, it's gorgeous. It's dreamy, you know, yeah. very kid friendly, but also like just eye catching. Oh, and it's so sophisticated. I mean, like we talk about with, with, with your settings, you've just got, I don't, I don't, I don't pretend to know, Jackie, where you come from with 
storytelling through art, but that voice that you have rings so true. You 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 really do beautiful work, and I'm glad that I'm glad that this manuscript was was passed over your desk, and that 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 it was resonant with you too. Um, I, I know you said that these types of stories are ones that connect, but to think like, you know, when you're an illustrator and you're illustrating other folks' stories, you you get this really neat experience of being all over the library. You're scattered yeah. all over the place with these different last names. Um, yeah. Whereas Tammy's books will all be, or picture books will all be like right on the shelf together, right? But it's neat that, that I mean, and this is only speaking from two books. I have no idea what's ahead for you. <laughs> but to know that hopping around the library, that your stories, that, that you've done this art on, that you've collaborated with, feel like, yeah, I get that this is what this person's all about. And that's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. That, Cause that's what you hope. And you know, each story is so different, but, um, but you know, I, I'm realizing there's similarities that just draw you to, to a certain story, but, but um, but it's just also the process of getting to know that specific story and how to, how to portray that specific story, you know, but, but within your own style and uh, maintaining the same kind of energy and, and everything. And, um, there's, you know, feels like there's a lot of moving parts. So that's, I, I really appreciate you saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie, what, what um, materials did you use to make this art? I know you work traditionally, um, but as I'm sharing yeah. this with children and we're looking on the, on the, you know, on the verso information about what it is, I just have that it's pencil and marker and gouache and assembled digitally. Can you talk just briefly about what that, what that looks like? that means yeah so I start everything traditionally so I start um you know just like with a pencil outline and I fill everything in with a marker um lots and lots of layers of marker though because they kind of build up build up and build up and they have a really beautiful like vibrancy and color I feel um so I kind of will scan everything in at that point and play around with it digitally and see if I want to you know push some parts and pull back on other parts um and then I We'll usually go back and add uh, gouache on top of the marker, and then I'll scan everything in again and kind of do the same process in Photoshop, just like um, playing with, you know, color and um, amplifying some parts or subduing others. Um, and then, uh, so, but this was, this book was more so, um, I would say probably like, 85, 90% traditionally done. So I have the originals and, and they're pretty close to the finals, um, in the book. So, um, it's, I like starting that way. I like, I like having something to hold on to and something to be able to see, you know, in front of me. Um, but I do love the magic of Photoshop and the magic of digital art too. So I kind of, I just want everything. <laughs> <laughs> want to well, work with everything. It, it's neat yeah. to know that that, that that process is what gives us th these these textured pieces mm -hmm. so you can see the you can see the the hand of the artist in your art and that's mm. that's cool yeah and i feel like you know some digital tools are so good that they can be you know really replicated um you know traditional materials but but i don't know i still find a a difference with with just like the layer of paint the layer of marker like some some things are still not able to be um, you know, don't, just don't have exactly the same feeling that, that I want in some pieces, you know? Um, mm. so luckily well, we cool. can, 
we can do some combos and, and cut and paste <laughs> and put it all together and make a cool images. <laughs> that <laughs> whatever you do, whatever magic you you do, it's cool. It's 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 good. <laughs> It's very messy. I would never show anybody Photoshop files. They're a disaster. <laughs> it's that fun question that I can never quite ask artists, or I can never quite ask authors. Like, Tammy, how'd you put these words down on paper? Oh, it's never quite as magical. Complete brain mush. Although, yeah. do you have like when ideas come to you, Tammy? Are you a person that will like record voice notes in your phone, or will jot on random sheets of paper, or? All of that. All of it. <laughs> all of it. All of the above. As soon as I hear the voice in my head, I've got to get it out. So sometimes I'll make little videos of myself kind of speaking in that character's voice. Um, or I'll write it down. Um, yeah. Or type That's it awesome. out. It's not that pretty. <laughs> it's not that exciting. I am definitely going to tell my students that when we talk about this, that like, do you just keep scrap paper on you? Because like, sometimes that's what you need to do to tell stories. Oh, get yes. that stuff down. Oh, oh my gosh. When I was first starting Everyone. out, when I, when I first had my BEA experience, I was going to sign copies of my then middle grade debut. I ran into Jason Reynolds on the street and I, I lost it. Um, I was like oh my god that's Jason Reynolds I was with my husband poor guy I was like look I love you but that's Jason Reynolds I need to talk to him and and I stopped him and I said dude you have four books coming out this year how did you do that and he Mm. gave me the simplest advice and it was basically I go nowhere without my tools if I'm sitting in the doctor's office you know in the waiting room for a half hour I have my tools with me, and if I can write a page or even a paragraph, that's a paragraph that didn't exist before. And little by little, it all adds up and makes a book. And when he said that, I said, okay, that's it. I'm, I'm not going anywhere without my tools anymore. So that's how I roll. I always that's have awesome my tools advice. with me. Yeah. Always yeah. have your tools with you. Always. Well, it has been fantastic to talk to you both. I'm I'm so uh, enamored to meet the folks behind this book. I love I love your book. I'm, I hope that it continues to reach more and more folks, and that um, the the kids are are seeing their families and their traditions affirmed in this story. Thanks again I actually for coming. We just have new good news. I don't know if you know this, Jackie, but I just opened up a package from Candlewick with a note that said, "Congratulations, you're in your second printing." Oh, I got there too. That was so exciting. Right? That's cool. Congratulations. That's yeah, not a thing that you. happens to everybody. No, yeah, Carter sent me a note um saying he's thrilled that we've already uh gone into our second printing and the book only debuted in December. So I was gonna say you're only a couple cool. months from debuting. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> well, for all of those readers that you're going to meet in the in the on the road ahead, um, I'd love to ask you each that I'll see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you, Tammy? Yes. Uh my message is very simple. Read widely nothing is off limits read every type of genre and category that interests you and don't let anyone tell you what you should or should not be reading you should be reading for yourself so read widely and enjoy the process 
Thank you. Jackie, I've asked you this before, but I'd love to know if there's a message that I can bring to those students from you. I would say that, you know, this story for me is kind of like we said, perseverance against all odds. So if there's a dream that you have, just don't, don't let go. Um, there's always a way to make it come true. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by me, Matthew Winner, in my library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 550 episodes at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect the ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.